Today's scripture reading is taken from Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 to 35. My son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is the lamb and the teaching of light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. To preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress, do not desire her beauty in your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes in to his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroy himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Zishlan, for reading God's word for us this morning. Let's go to him in prayer. Father God, as we bow our heads assist us to bend also our will to your word. Equip us not only to hear with understanding, but equip us with godly intention to obey. Father, you give us hard words. Give us soft hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As you know, if you were with us last week, Ollie uh, began us in a new short series from the book of Proverbs. He laid down a foundation, the foundation which is wisdom. This is all in our broader series of believing, belonging, and behaving in a way that's worthy of the gospel. <clears throat> um, if, if you were with us two weeks ago, you probably have a pretty good idea where this message is going. Uh, you uh, probably remember my father's fairly simplistic way of doing uh, parenting. He just had one plan, that is to point out the road and the ditches and then say, you know, stay out of the ditches. That was his parenting strategy. Today, <coughs> we are not just talking about the ditch, we're talking about the margins. Ollie talked about living with wisdom, we're talking about living with margins. And this is a topic we need to discuss because we enjoy a lot of freedom here in Singapore. But with freedom comes margins necessarily. They're margins set in place for our own good. Especially in a free society, people who are free need margins. Margins are represented by those white painted lines or in Singapore, yellow painted lines. Beyond the margin is what? Ditches, or worse, pedestrians. 
So we have extraordinary amount of freedom that we can exercise in this nation. But in this nation, in our culture, in every nation and every culture, there are margins established. So driving is, is wonderful. Reckless driving is not. Wonderful driving is Singaporeans driving in Singapore. Reckless driving is Singaporeans driving in Malaysia. I've seen you. You, you see, there are margins in Singapore and also cameras that keep us within the margins. We as free people are not always good people. And so good and free people do need margins. No one will, will judge you for collecting rubbish, by the way. Every one of us collects rubbish. But if you're tossing rubbish, you just might not be from Singapore. Right? So we have margins, and it's very obvious to us when somebody near us is crossing margins. We don't feel good about that. Margins are established by laws, by cultural mores, or even sometimes by social norms. The problem is, we live in a day in which social norms are radically changing all the time. For instance, my dad was born into a Canada in which it was against the law to sell alcohol. But I come from a Canada in which beer is a cultural icon of the nation. And come 17th October, we can grow our own marijuana. Margins are shifting. Margins are shifting all the time, even here in Singapore. The first time I came to Singapore was in 1970. And I remember on the airplane getting the immigration card. And there was a warning on that card. It said, no hippies allowed in Singapore. It made my mom really nervous. She was checking the collar of our you know, shirt to see if our hair was touching. Some of you even remember you know, this sign. In fact, I'm going to have it reproduced. I'm looking at some of you. I'm going to have it reproduced and hang it over our fellowship food sign. Males with long hair, you'll be, you'll be the last to end up too. Things are, things are changing. You know, in 1970s, there was no hippies allowed in Singapore. Now we, we have our own pro bono king now, right? The gangster attorney. I mean, now that's like, whoa, Singapore is so cool, so 21st century. Our, our social norms are constantly changing. So this is a challenge for the people of God in the 21st century. How do we live in this world, but not of this world? The greatest challenge for us is how do we live in a world of radically shifting cultural norms while yet remaining faithful to the unchanging margins that Christ has laid down for us? How do we live like that? The book of Proverbs is going to give us a few suggestions. The first will make people like me happy. Listen to your father. How many fathers say amen? Listen to your father. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> There's an important backstory in the book of Proverbs. If you look back in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3 or 2 Chronicles chapter 1, Solomon was the king that followed his father, David. 
and he pleased the Lord because the Lord came to him in a dream and said, ask whatever you want. And instead of asking the Lord for possessions or wealth and instead of asking the Lord for great honor or, the, or even the lives of those who hated him, instead of even asking for long life, Solomon said, Lord God, give me wisdom that I may reign and rule wisely in this kingdom. And it so pleased the Lord. Now the thing is, we never ask, how did Solomon get that wisdom? I mean, I, I grew up in Baptist Sunday school, so I just assumed he woke up and boom, he was wise. And, and then the stories that followed, because it doesn't list chronology, I just assume, wow, that, I wish I could get stuff that way. Like, God, give me character without trouble. <laughs> right, just let me, let me wake up and have it. Our assumptions are not always true. But what we do know is he asked for wisdom. And now... In the book of Proverbs, we have a father anxious that his children benefit from the gifts he was given. I'm just saying, this is a thing. In Singapore, this is a thing. Because half of this congregation doesn't even get it. The other half is anxious. Anxious about what? Anxious about, we have raised a generation that wants to start off where we ended up. You know there are some people sitting in this building right now who slept on a cardboard box. And, and then the rest of us are complaining because our comfortable bed is not comfortable enough. There, there are some people in this room right now who never dreamed as a child of driving a BMW. They were dreaming of a bicycle. They weren't dreaming that one day they would be able to afford to rent a house. They were thinking it would be nice to have some protein this week. You, you see, but we have raised a generation that has no memory of that, lives with such liberty, has such great expectation. How many of you young people are hoping you can rent a house someday? Nobody wants to rent in Singapore, right? <laughs> the standard is, you know, renting is for, okay, people on a work permit. But, but Singaporeans, we buy, right? We, we buy. And, and so this is the anxiety that Solomon had when he was looking at his children. He had raised a generation that had no idea that their grandfather was running for his life, sleeping in caves. No home, no shelter. They had no idea how they got to where they now are. They had forgotten there were narrow margins. And so if we had begun piece by piece, chapter by chapter, we would see this consistent theme in the book of Proverbs. Here, he says in chapter 1, verse 8, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. In chapter 2, verse 1, he writes, My son, receive my words and treasure up my commandments. Chapter 3, verse 1, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart Keep my commandments. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons. There's more coming along. 
to a father's instruction and be attentive. Chapter 5, verse 1, my son, be attempted, attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding. And now this morning, he writes in verse 21, my son, keep your father's commandment. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart. Always tie them around your neck. As Solomon was that kind of father. He was anxious for the generation that followed, that he was so busy that he had not successfully passed on the greatest gift that God had given you know what wrecked me as a young pastor? Not so young. A 23-year-old son living in my own home, overhearing him tell his friends, everybody's got a pastor except me. I was that guy. So busy being wise, teaching truth, and anxious that my sons weren't getting it. Solomon had that anxiety. And so he said, look, this is what this wisdom will do for you. When you walk, it will lead you. When you lie down, it will watch over you. When you awake, they will, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light and the reproofs of discipline are a way of life. I have a lot of stories about my father. Mostly because I wish he was still here. You know, a son has no idea how much he does not know until he doesn't have a father. When my father was alive, there's no way I'm Googling anything. I'm just calling my dad, just asking him. This is actually our, our property in British Columbia, and when friends walk on this property with me, they'll ask me stuff I don't know. And, and I find myself just, you know, kind of making up stuff truth and saying it with conviction so it sounds like I know what my dad always knew you know he, he could tell a tree by its bark by its leaves but by, by its needles he could tell how old a tree was he could tell a, a tree by the sap and, and my friends will come and ask me what what kind of tree and I'm like make it up I said you know well here in Canada that we call that a, a green tree and you'll notice they're not all green. Some of them are light green. Those are light green Canadian trees. And, and you notice that one on the left is kind of leading. It's an unusual tree. It's, it's called dead. You know, just, just making stuff up. Just wandering around the margins because, you know, I wasn't paying attention when my father was alive. And, and here's what Solomon is saying. You know, my sons, this truth will outlast my breath. If, if, you, if you keep this truth, this wisdom that I am writing down for you, long after I am cold and dark in my grave, this truth will light the way. It will illuminate the pathway. You will know the margins. You will avoid the ditches. This is his anxiety for his people. But second, you know, why, why honestly listen to your father? Well, what motivation would his sons have? I'm going to 
challenging. We ought to listen to our Father because our fathers have wisdom that they picked up from the ditch. Wisdom from the ditch. Verses 24 and 25 says this, Let this preserve you from an evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. Do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. Now you likely recognize this plant, right? Some botanist went, whoa, those kind of look like eyelashes. Venus is the goddess of love. Now let's be real, ladies. I'm sure not a one of you sitting here today has ever said, oh Lord, give me thinner eyelashes. Make them shorter, less obvious. Right, because, you know, Canada, false eyelashes are not a, a thing in the 21st century, but apparently they are in Singapore. Right, let's make them big. This is called a Venus flytrap. And Solomon was referencing this, not a Venus flytrap. He was referencing a Venus mantrap. You know, he, he is giving a metaphor, being captured by the lashes of a woman. Now, this is amazing to me. You know what God has done in his sovereign purposes? He's given a man wisdom to expose himself. Oh, you poor, weak Solomon, captured by eyelashes. It must be so difficult to be a man these days. <laughs> captured by eyelashes. God has allowed this man of wisdom to expose himself, and yet in his written words, he is still right. He writes down in verse 26, he says, For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a merry woman hunts down precious life. In other words, a prostitute eats her pay, but for a married woman, she consumes you. It's not just simply transactional until all your life is devoured. You can't carry fire against your chest and not be burned. Solomon is giving us a difficult truth. As we discovered this week, life can serve up horrible surprises. But Solomon is saying, son, don't self-serve your horror. Don't dig your own ditch, fall in it, and say, oh, what am I going to do trapped in this ditch? It's not the ditch's fault if you dug it. You're beyond the margins. Stay away from fire. Embrace wisdom. We can see this comparison. In verse 27, it says, can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? In verse 21, bind wisdom to your heart always. So, some of us have got too much space here. Because we have not bound the word of God right here. Why be burnt when there's life in the wisdom of God's word? Embrace wisdom. Avoid fire. It doesn't sound that difficult, right? But there's a subtle 
subtext in the book of Proverbs. There is grief on every page. Because why? Solomon's wisdom is laced with generational failure. His was the father who took another man's wife and then arranged for that man to be murdered. And that wife was Solomon's mother. And, you know, how many sons did Solomon write to? I don't know. He had 700 wives and 300 mistresses. This is a man who was wise and yet in his wisdom dug a ditch and lay in it. And now he writes with grief. Son, don't do what I did. Do what I'm writing. Wisdom written is not as powerful as wisdom lived. Every Sunday our children may hear wisdom from God's word but they need to see it lived within the margins of Christ's standard. That's why I don't need anybody to say, don't look at me, I'm only human. I need someone to say with, with the Apostle Paul, look at me as I model Christ. You can model me. Where are the dependable men who will say, I'll, I'll walk with these margins and you can walk with me. This is a reliable path. Walk in it. That's why I believe we could just go ahead and rename the book of Proverbs. Wisdom I learned in the ditch. But there's good news in this. Because if God is sovereign, he is also Lord of your ditch. It is the Lord of the ditch who came to the prodigal while he was yet in the mud of that pigsty. You think it was his own idea when he came to himself and said, oh, my father's slaves are better off than me? The Lord of ditches loves you so much, he will meet you there. Solomon wrote with grief, just to be clear, a brilliant mind and memorized Proverbs does not keep a man out of the ditch. But when the Lord God meets you there and gifts you with ditch wisdom, which you, which you know, ditch wisdom always starts with this idea. Okay, this is not awesome. Life beyond the margins is not what Hollywood says it is. Life in the ditch is not actually like a beer commercial. It is horrible. So, why this ditch? What, what is the big deal about this ditch? I mean, why would he devote a chapter specifically to the sin of adultery? I'd like to read verses 29 to 31. I, I know that... Um, the ESV is our authorized GBC Bible. 
I just think the translation in the New Living Translation is a good one. So it is with a man who sleeps with another man's wife. He who embraces her will not go unpunished. Excuses might be found for a thief who steals because he is starving. But if he is caught, he must pay back seven times what he stole, even if he has to sell everything in his house. You know what Solomon had in his house? A thousand loaves of bread. And still he was out stealing another man's loaf. This is the sin of adultery. When you have bread, when you're not hungry, and still you have an appetite for somebody else's bread, that is adultery. This was the grief that saturated Solomon's heart. And by the way, the epilogue of the book of Proverbs is the book of Ecclesiastes, an old man named Solomon looking back at his life and saying, everything's meaningless. Everything under the sun is meaningless. Don't be that old man. Believe your own wisdom gifted to you in the ditch of life. This is why this sin is a ditch deeper than other ditches, more devastating than other margins, because God is a jealous husband. And when he created Eve out of a man, when he birthed her out of Adam's side, when he gave away the first bride, Adam looked at her and he said, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh just as God originated them. We have to understand why this sin is so devastating. It's devastating because it turns upside down God's creative intention. His creation and order was ripped apart when Solomon dived into the ditch that he himself dug. Sex for God is not a physical act of a man and a woman lying together in a bed. For God, sex is a spiritual act of two souls being knitted together for eternity. How does this margin impact me? It is the margin in my life that impacts every other margin I have. Because my bond with Sherry is to be a reflection of my bond to Christ. It's to be a living illustration of my relationship with Christ. My spiritual bond to her has knit us together for eternity. It means I am designed to love my bride as Christ loves his. That means I am to love her as I love my own soul. And yes, sometimes this margin makes things awkward for me. Years ago, um, I was living in Malacca, and <clears throat> every Tuesday and Thursday night, 
I would go out with some neighborhood men and we would play badminton. Uh, our game would start at 9, so we'd finish around 11. And the men would say, this happened the first time and every time. They would say, okay, let's go out for supper. And the first time and every time, I would say, okay, let me just call Sherry, see, see how. That's what we say in Malaysia, to see how. <coughs> the first time I did that <laughs> was really, really awkward. W w one of the men said, wait, 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 uh, wait a minute, did you, um, seriously, did you just call your wife and ask for permission? And, and my other friend said, got back no bone, man? Yeah, I get it, right? I get it, because the world says, Ian, your body belongs to you. But that's not what this book says. And, and so I just happen to have a little New Testament in my badminton bag, and I pull it out. I said, you see, my, my holy book has a, has a different standard, and, and it says something completely different to me. It says this, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So I just want to ask Sherry if it's okay if her body has to miss yum right now at 11 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. And they said, ay ya He's These foreigners. You, you see, I am a foreigner. Not of Singapore and not of Canada. My home is not here. When Christ came and filled me up with his life, I became citizen of another kingdom, and I live by other margins. I live in this world, yes, but I live by the margins that Christ has set out for me. That's why Eugene Patter Peterson has translated verses 32, 33 this way. Adultery is a brainless act. It is soul-destroying. Why? Because it tears me. It is self-destructive. Expect a bloody nose. Expect a black eye and a reputation ruined for good. Friends, this is why Jesus said, if a man wishes to come after me, he should deny himself take up his cross and follow me where was jesus going he was going to calvary a cross ends up in a death you know what our problem is gbc we don't have enough dead men here just try this out you girls with all those beautiful lashes just go to a seminary bat those lashes go to seminary go to a cemetery bat those lashes see how many dead men get trapped it is notoriously difficult to attract a dead man. You can do whatever you want. They're just going to lie there. Jesus invites us to come and die. Don't judge Solomon. He wrote this a thousand years before Jesus walked the earth and said, come and die for me. The problem with me is I'm reading this 2,000 years after Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Ian Bunton cannot stay in the margins unless he dies. Unless Christ rises up in me. Then there is margin rescue. I want to ask you... Um, to just spend a few moments with me.
Because I, I honestly, aside from this beard, I'm not different than most men in this room, right? We, we all have regrets. We all feel anxiety that we haven't done a great job of passing on margins. I, I wonder if you're here, man or woman, and you suddenly realize, yes, I, I have crucified with Christ, but I am pressing against those nails. I, I'm begging for wine on a sponge. I just need a bit of bread. How many of us just need to say, oh, Lord, let this man die? Oh, God, rise up in me, because these margins are impossible unless Christ rises up in this dead man. I want to invite you to bow with me. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we have this opportunity to spend a few moments, just a short oasis in a chaotic, busy week with this almighty creator God who laid down margins for our good. The world has taught you that outside the margins, that's where living is. The wisdom of God says, outside the margins are the ditches. Stay out of the ditches. Learn from the wisdom of fathers who have gone before you, who wrecked themselves in the ditches, who cried out to an almighty king of creation, let me die and give me life. That's why we baptize the way we do. It's not so that people can get washed in this water. It's so that we can lay our old man down in the grave. And rely on his resurrection power to rise up in us. Friend, if you're here today and you, you suddenly realize you have self-served, You have dug your own ditch. Would you be like the prodigal and return? W would you say, God, I gladly bring myself to the cross. Take my life. Let it be set apart for you consecrated, holy, as the man who is life rises up in me. Father God, we celebrate you because you are the sovereign Lord of ditches. You meet us in the mud, but you do not leave us there. You pull us out of the miry clay. You set our feet on a rock. You put a new song in our mouths. Blessed be the God of life who gives 
wisdom to those who ask. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who hears our prayers. Prayers prayed in weakness, you respond to in power. So for the man here who is broken and muddied, help that man hear the whisper of the almighty giver of life. For the woman here who is bruised and blackened, give her fresh hope in you. For the young person who's been fooled by the margins of the world, draw that child back to you. God, we are your bride. You are our jealous husband. Call us to yourself, O faithful one. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.